What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Friday, June 14th. What's up, guys? I am Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Good morning. Happy Friday, man. I, uh, I can't believe it's already Friday, actually. And I'm uh, pretty excited. We got some good fights tonight. Right? TGIF. So, you know, not too late. You know, what is the saying? You know, uh, I already am forgetting. <laughs> better it's late than never? To... Yes, know. better late than never. There <laughs> it is. There it is. Sorry. But yeah, look, Bellator is tonight. So we're going to be re- recapping all of the action, getting our on the on our picks but we had so much going on um natalie what's been going on with you since the last time we spoke can i tell you man that i'm still thinking about henry cejudo and that amazing victory that did, come did from you know behind. he won a gold medal did you know that yeah <laughs> you know, okay so you know the funniest thing yes that one was awesome um <laughs> we all know you know the uh, the most popular MMA reporter, MM, uh, Ariel Helwan, the uh, Toronto Raptors. Ariel's from Canada. He's celebrating it on Instagram. And who comments on his social media but Henry Cejudo to say, that's cool, but did you know I won a gold medal? <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. And actually, I, you know, I think I wiped it from my memory already because it was such a bummer. Yeah, I almost forgot that uh, the Warriors uh, were close but no cigar last night. Tough, tough series for them, but really exciting finals. And um, I got nothing against the Raptors. I think it's cool, but I really wanted to see California take that, uh, get that three-peat. So, oh, well. How, how many more do we need, Natalie? Uh, um, I say keep going, one. man. Let's keep going. It's like the U.S. women's soccer team, you know? Let's, let's, uh, let's just keep racking up the goals. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Those ladies kick butt. Um, the thing about the basketball uh, for me, my heart broke for DeMar DeRozan because he was that guy for so long. So I felt bad for him. And yeah, that's Let's true. say it like it is, you know, a healthy Clay, a, a healthy Durant. That's a different series. I'm not saying that that means they would have won. But, you know, you're talking about a lot of firepower late that they just didn't have. So, but look, that you play the team that's in front of you. Toronto beat the team in front of them pretty handily. So, respect but yeah so natalie we had a lot going on let's talk about the big event that we're coming off of ufc 238 it seems like everybody has had something to say about all of the fights on the card so we have a lot to recap and then of course we'll close the show with nyc and bellator starting at the top of the card henry cejudo marlon moraes Natalie, Marlon Moraes absolutely put it on him in those five minutes in the first round. He was cracking the leg with the kicks. Every punch, he just threw the fastball at Henry. Henry, look, he took it well, but let's be honest. He was like a pinball in there. Marlon was just kind of bashing him around any which way he wanted. Um, To his credit, and I think this is something people did not expect. I think that this is something that why so many people picked Marlon was the fact that after that first round, Henry did lose. Yes. But he looked, you know, no worse for wear 
going into the second. Like, yes, he, I'm sure his legs were sore. He looked like he was in a battle, but his eyes, everything looked there. He looked ready to keep going. He was not mentally defeated. He wasn't discouraged. He was just ready to get back to work. I do think that was the difference in why he was able to surge forward. He starts cracking Marlin. Suddenly, Marlin deteriorates. And then late in that third round, Marlin's just exhausted. And Henry puts it on him to get the finish. Natalie, assess that performance. Assess <laughs> what you thought of it. It was incredible. I mean, Henry Cejudo has got to have the best poker face in the game because I was going back and watching even the, the open workout scrum where John Morgan from MMA Junkie, you know, asks him, oh, you know, we heard rumors of you screaming in the gym that you were in pain. And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. He does this whole routine where he just kicks his legs and jumps around. And then he says, it was my right knee. I bumped into a corner. I mean, uh, I do. He must have prepared for for that to have you know to have to answer like that because if someone had asked me i have like zero poker face and i would have just confessed everything and be like oh my god this is terrible my, my ankle is totally sprained um so so props to him for for doing that and then when he comes out uh you know doing his walkout i'm like why is he wearing ankle ankle sleeves that's i've never seen that before uh but yeah as you say he's getting beat you know right left up down kicked viciously his face never changed he goes to his corner and you sort of hear him quietly say, put ice on the knee or put ice on something. I, I don't remember what. So God bless that man's composure. I mean, he's really tested his mind, his body in ways that clearly not many other folks in MMA have, because who can come back from some from a beatdown like that? He weathered a really crazy storm. And then, yeah, man, he just beat down on Marlon. I did not see that coming. When you see him standing in the cage, uh, you know, it didn't really make an impact at the stare downs and all that. But when they were in the cage in their shorts, you really saw the size difference there. The physique of Marlon Marais is statuesque. He's, he seems way taller. So I, I just I, I marvel at Henry Cejudo's ability to dig deeper than most people even know they can and come out. And he just beat him up at the end. Like he just straight up beat him up. It was incredible. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. He is the double champ now. He adds... Um, no, it's tri bad, triple C, I'm right? <laughs> yeah, uh, he, I'll be honest. I'm starting to lose track. It used to be easy to tell. So we've had Connor, DC, Amanda, now Henry, right? Now I'm not Henry. missing anybody. Nah, not a, not on the UFC side. <laughs> Are you, uh, I almost feel like I am because we've had so many of these happen nowadays. Okay, so look, very impressive. Um, the flyweight division, you have Benavides and Formiga fighting later this month, early next month, if I'm not mistaken. Then you also had two great performances. Aljamain Sterling had a very fun performance against Pedro Munoz. And then Peter Yan um, survived an onslaught and took a decision over Jimmy Rivera. There's a lot of options for Henry. Just straight up, who's next? Is it 125 or is it 135? Well, I think it should be it should be 125 just so they're not left hanging in the lurch. But first of all, I don't know how long he's going to need to recover from the ankle injury. I mean, it was a sprain, right? But it looked yep. pretty severe. Second, he probably wants some time off. Uh, but you also don't want to lose momentum. So he's, he's probably not looking to stay away too long. 
I think it's just way more exciting at 135 for him. The weight cut is also an issue. He, he keeps, he, I mean, he still had a cut weight for 135, which blows my mind. And he keeps talking about, you know, the weight cut for 125 is hard. It's hard. But then he says, but I saved the division. The division is here. I think he's just kind of talking. I, part of me feels like he may never go back down to 125. I mean, what's there for him? And, uh, and, and with the weight cut being so hard, it just doesn't make sense. I believe it's going to be something at 135. Um, I just don't know who, you know, Dana White was praising Aljamain Sterling for, for once. He said if he had been fighting like this all along, you know, he would have already gotten a title shot. So I think that could be something that's on, uh, on, on the matchmaker's minds for Cejudo. And, uh, yeah, of course, Pio- <laughs> I like saying Piotr. Piotr Jan um, had, had a solid performance, too. Uh, I was surprised by Munoz. I really thought that um, that he was gonna that he was gonna get that win, man. I really didn't expect him to get kind of outclassed. So I would say, if we're just looking at 135, who's who's made the who made the best case for themselves at UFC 238? I gotta say it's Aljamain. Uh, and if we're looking at 125, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> Not very exciting, to be honest with you. I know Benavides is waiting in the wings, but I don't know. What do you got? Uh, it, it's got to be 135. And I, I'll say bluntly, for as big as this win was, Henry Cejudo inadvertently also killed off his own flyweight division yeah. after all the talk. He, um, for example, he goes out there, Mr. Save the Flyweights, and he calls out a bunch of Bantamweights. Right. <laughs> um, you know, essentially, it's like, Henry, right then and there was your chance to do it. And nobody cares about fighting Benavides or Formiga right now for you. After those comments, you, you know, like, what were you thinking? Um, look, big fight. He got battered around. Maybe he was in the moment, wasn't thinking that one, you know. It was still cooking. It wasn't fully baked, as they say. But um, to me, that's exactly what happened is that, you know, look, people talk about, well, Benavidez beat him. Watch that fight back. That yeah. fight, unanimously, everybody. Let me say that again. Everybody. That that was one of the biggest robberies that's just not talked about often because it wasn't a title fight. Yeah, was that uh, thoroughly beat Benavidez, and for whatever reason they thought uh, Joseph won that one. Um, so on that note, it's like let's say Benavidez wins. There's not you're not hyped up to see that one run back. And then if you're Formiga, you know that's a big win. But once again, you're talking about the name, the star power. Now, there, then, of course, comes in Aljamain and everybody else. And then even Henry wants the big names, the super fights, the guys who are going to, you know, sell well if he's on a pay-per-view like he was on Saturday. So all of that, I think, you know, the only thing I can say is Benavides has already fought at 135. Maybe he'll do something. You know, I could see, honestly, Cejudo defends against Sterling. Benavidez wins, hypothetically, fights Peter Yan for the next shot at Henry at 135. And it's like, you know what? That's what we're going to do. 125, sorry, thanks for playing. And um, even with Dana White's comments that, like, yeah, we're keeping the flyweight division around, I feel like that was in the moment. I just, I, I, I don't see it. It's the same way 145, it's kind of on life support. Yes, they sign um, um, Felicia Spencer. They don't have anybody else. It's Felicia and Megan Anderson, Chris Cyborg, who is, you know, on the 
It, she, we, she might be one foot in, one foot out already on the UFC. With 125, I just don't know what they're going to do. Are you hoping that Henry feels enticed to come back? Because I just don't see it. Very bluntly, I don't see it. Yeah, I think I think when Dana White said, yeah, the, the division is still around, it was out of respect for what Henry Cejudo just did. And I, and I think that if he, if Cejudo tells him, you know, I'm not really interested in going back, that is it. So I, I believe Cejudo is calling the shots at 125. Um, and so it is on him, but yeah, again, why would he, why would he want to do that weight cut just to fight Benavidez or Formiga? Not worth it. He's, you know, wisely looking at his career, looking at how to make the most money, which is what he should be doing. He's top athlete right now. He's on everybody's minds and he has made great callouts, as you pointed out, you know, I'm talking about Aljamain Sterling, which would be a merit-based matchup. But if we're talking exciting, bring in some eyeballs uh, matchups, I mean, Faber is if, out of the three, Faber is the least, the weakest. But even Faber would be exciting uh, as far as, you know, getting eyeballs. Dominic Cruz would be great. Cody Garbrandt would probably be the best. Well, no, actually, I take it back. Cruz, as far as um, hyping the fight, you know, press conferences and yep. whatnot, I, he's the, the sharpest one. So that would be very exciting. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like Henry right now. I'm thinking like you know, UFC is a marketing company, and what's going to be the best that uh, make the create the best buzz? Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt, probably. And uh, I think Cejudo is 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 in the Conor McGregor, you know, two years ago a phase of his career where he can kind of call a few more shots than he uh, than most fighters can. So very excited to see what what's going to happen. But, but first, we have to find out when he's actually going to be ready to fight again. Yeah, I predict him coming back probably fourth quarter of 2019, maybe the MSG card. I think they're doing uh, two pay-per-views in December. I think that's going to be just about right. He gets a little bit of a break, heal up, and then has a nice training camp at the end of the year. And uh, I think that's what we're going to see as the calendar winds down. Moving on to the co-main event, your sister kind of just <laughs> stole the show. Um, let's say bluntly, uh, that might be the most devastating knockout I've seen in women's MMA. Uh, the Holly Holm on Ronda Rousey, that one, Ronda got up faster. And then uh, even Chris Cyborg got up faster. Jessica I, the thud of the kick was as loud as the thud of when she bounced off the canvas. That was nasty. It was concerning. You, gen okay, I know people talk about the Rose Namajunas finish. Uh, truth be told, that one didn't look as bad to me. The Jessica I knocked out that one. I, I am genuinely concerned for her health going forward as a professional fighter. That is how bad that knockout was. What was your assessment? Dude, I mean, that was terrifying. First of all, let's just, you know, think, remember that there was a, a round one here. Yep. And, and the wrestler got out-wrestled, out-muscled, out-hustled. Valentina Shevchenko just took her down and had her way with her. You know, I looked like, Jessica, I looked like someone who'd, who'd never practiced you know, grappling or something. I mean, she just looked like a novice there. She couldn't do anything. At the very, very, very end of the round, she had, I think she reversed the position. Okay, great. But, you know, Shevchenko is, 
when she talks, she's very matter of fact, you know, super straightforward. I am complete MMA fighter. I am ready for everything. Um, but so you never really get a sense of, you know, how tactical she is. Um, you see her fight tactically, right? But you never get a sense of like, does she have a game plan? Does she want to stick it to somebody? It never seems personal to her. This one kind of seemed personal, like the way she took her down and held her down for no good reason. Really, she could have just done whatever she wanted with her on the feet. I think she wanted to, to prove a point. Look, you think you're a great wrestler and you're so tough and you're talking all this game. Uh, you got nothing. And then, you know, to make matters worse, she just, you know, home runs on her forehead. So that was incredible. It was, like I said, it was terrifying. Um, <laughs> so I was very worried for Jessica. You're right. It was, a you know, we're talking about female knockouts. And even I, as a woman... And I hate to admit this, but it, it is harder for me to see a woman um, get knocked out than it is to see a man. I know that you hear some men say that and people kind of roll their eyes at it. But I don't know what it is, man. There's just something about it. And it's so just like, it was, you're okay with us in pain, Natalie, I guess. Yeah, totally. Don't, <laughs> don't care. Um, you know, there are a couple where I get very worried. Uh, like when, when, when Marquez knocked out Pacquiao, that one, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, man, he's dead. That's terrible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this one was was really bad man and when you see Shevchenko kind of just standing in the corner waiting very respectfully you know it's serious even more so they showed Pavel her coach they showed that that footage of them reacting to the knockout and you see Antonina jumping for joy and Pavel Fedotov's eyes are just focused solely on Jessica I because he realizes what's just happened he knows the power of his fighter so I mean there are no words. Uh, everything is going to be an understatement when we talk about that performance as far as Valentina Shevchenko goes. If I'm a 125-er, I'm terrified. I don't want to get in there with her. Caitlin Chukagian, she looked okay against her on Calderwood. They were kind of going back and forth. It wasn't an, astonishing, an astounding you know, victory. So, sure, she's next in line, and Shevchenko's just going to take whoever, right? That's what she said. Give me top 10. Just send them to me. I'll, I'll you know, knock them down one at a time. Lord help, Lord help these women. But you know what? Someone's, someone's, someone's waiting in the wings. You know, building up their skill set. It's just not going to be. It's going to be a long time before someone can properly challenge Valentina Shevchenko at one twenty-five. You know, you. Uh, I gotta be honest. You keep throwing them out there. The um, Joanne Calderwoods. I, I, I like Chukagian. I know she was on Helwani's show, and I know she was right there before her own loss to Jessica I. Uh, I, I hate to say it bluntly. I still think it's Liz Carmooch. You heard rumors about uh, oh yeah, them yeah. trying to do a Carmooch versus Shevchenko to headline San Antonio because they didn't have a main event and they're a month out. Um, they obviously got a fight now with RDA and Leon Edwards, but um, yeah, that, she's still the one to me. I think that her physicality, I, I do see her as a bigger threat than uh, Jessica I personally. Um, and then she's got a great team training with uh, Alima McFarlane, Bellator, and Pearl Gonzalez and their team there in San Diego. Uh, it is tough to see anybody beating Valentina. That's just that's just blunt. You know, she is hitting her stride right now. She is looking dominant. She is. I think the confidence is there. I think the fact that she's at 125 is huge. So it, it, it's very tough. I mean, for myself, the way I see it, um, Chukagian is right there. I think that if Liz Carmooch shuts down Roxanne Motiferi, that one is it's just going to be hard to deny. And um, 
I like Chukagian. I've interviewed Chukagian. We have mutual friends. Um, I will say that I think Caitlin needs one more to really get that momentum and upswell. Because you're talking about fighting Valentina. You're talking about headlining, or not headlining, but being on a pay-per-view, most likely, right? She just needs that little extra oomph to get that and make it an easy sell for UFC. And we're going to talk about, you know, selling and title fights and all that a little bit. But that's just it for me. I think Liz Carmuch is there. I could see Chukagian against the winner of Andrea Lee and uh, Montana De La Rosa. I think both of those girls are hitting their stride that after, you know, the winner of that one is one away from a title shot themselves. And that would work in a good calendar time frame for um, uh, Shevchenko to fight them. If she gets past Liz Carmouche, who would get past Roxanne Mataferi later in the year. Um, moving on, the fights that everyone was talking about, and it hurts me to say how it ended, but we got two good rounds as long as it lasted. Tony Ferguson, Donald Cerrone. Natalie, I've been talking a lot. Go ahead and take this <laughs> away. You get the first word on this great fight. I mean, th- this started out being everything I hoped for. Both of the fighters, uh, Cerrone, Ferguson, they're going back and forth. Actually, it, it seemed like maybe Cerrone was, was landing more at, in the first round at first. Uh, but nothing. He was, like, making zero impact with his punches on Ferguson. Ferguson was, like, I mean, yeah, legitimately, he is the boogeyman. Like, he was just pressing forward. I was watching the fight. As I was watching the fight, I was thinking, like, I would be, I would be horrified if I was in there and I gave this man everything I had and he's just coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. So who knows what was going through Cerrone's head. He looked like he was having fun, right? He was like high-fiving at the end of the rounds. Um, but Ferguson is just um, unreal, man. He took some punches, but he delivered some... He took punches, he ate the punches, but whatever he threw back was way more significant, caused more damage, obviously. There was that late punch, which, man, that was a bummer to see because, you know, not only did he get the warning from Mergliata, but the horn was actually blasted twice. You know, usually it's like once, this time it was two times and he still got, got Cerrone clean. Uh, Cerrone had his hands down. He was almost walking away. That was tough to see, man. Uh, but, but it was clear that Ferguson was going to just continue to railroad Cerrone. There was, um, it didn't seem like there would have been a way back for Cerrone had the fight continued, but who knows? He's super tough. He says, um, yeah, I mean, who knows, right? But it didn't seem like it. It didn't look like there was much for much left for him to do. He was just getting owned. Then the, the nose-blowing thing. Damn, you know, he says he knows better, and, like, everybody knows better, and so I don't know why he did it, but it is crazy to see, like, your body react to something so quickly. Like, it's an instantaneous um, inflation, like, swelling of the eye. So it's a bummer for him, but honestly, probably better because he was just going to get... He was just going to get pieced up. I think when I was looking at the fight, the biggest thing that I was thinking about is, remember, Tony Ferguson did this to dad Cerrone. Yeah, exactly. It was talking about this isn't the cowboy anymore. This is dad Cerrone, right? This is fighting like the Terminator. And Tony Ferguson in the second round pieced him up. Cowboy did what I said he had to do in the first round. I said it all week. I said it multiple times to multiple people. Ferguson, you're probably not going to put him out if you're cowboy and he's forward. You're just going to have to throw. 
you know, volume, volume, volume. He, we got that in round one. Maybe it was discouragement. Maybe Tony adjusted. Maybe Cowboy was getting tired. But Tony made the adjustment, starts piecing him up in the second round. That uh, Okay, so on the, um, the shot after the bell, I watched it. I replayed it. I did it in slow-mo. If you watch in the bells, Cowboy is still very close right in the pocket with Tony. And, you know, even though Cowboy stops throwing, he is still very, he is still at combat distance. I'll describe it that way. With Tony, was it still after the bell? Yes. Were they in a battle and they were in the pocket and Tony still feels it? Yes. So I am going to give Tony the benefit of the doubt on this one. Yes, it was bad. But when they say it was after the bell, it's not like Cowboy was at a distance. He was still kind of right on Tony when you hear the bell sound on the replay. So that one, um, that's one thing for me. Uh, The nose, I got to imagine. Look, I've never had my nose busted into a million pieces like that. Um. I would imagine it's um, very similar to uh, – it's just instinctive. It's just instinctive. You have all that happen, and the only thing you think of is get the air out of there. And how do you do get air that would be in your face out? You blow your nose. So, I look, I can't speak for Cowboy, why he did, what he shouldn't have, etc. All I know is that it has to have been that way because he is smarter um, I hate to say, but I felt like the corner also, when they saw what just happened, they maybe tried to have a moment where they, okay, like, look, this just happened. Can we get a DQ? We don't want to take the L. Um, it didn't work out in their favor. So it is what it is. Um, I do agree with you that it was hard. To, it's hard to see if Cowboy would have made that comeback. I'm going to respect it. He did deserve it. Because he is that dude who could uh, pull back yeah. in a fight like that. But no, it did not look. If you asked me, you know, to look into the crystal ball, what do I honestly think? I think Tony would have just kept going and would have just continued to beat him up if not finish him in that third round. That is my prediction. Um, that being said, Tony moves on. Cowboy moves on. We know they're talking a little bit of rematch. There's been a little bit of rumbling. I'm going to say it very bluntly, Natalie. We saw what just happened with uh, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz. We lost the hype for a Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, all that jazz. I do not want that to happen to Tony Ferguson. Stop throwing him in other fights. I say you wait. I say you have a great fight with Habib or you have a great fight with Dustin. Don't take any other fight. I don't care about Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje could get his shot next. You need to be in these super fights already. Sell the pay-per-view. We want nice things in MMA. Tony Ferguson fights next for the title. Don't at me with anybody. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's got to be Tony Ferguson. And um, look, before Cerrone had this fight, before he lost, he was telling, I don't remember who, ESPN or somebody, uh, I have a feeling that uh, the Khabib-Poirier fight, one of those two is going to fall out, and I want to be there and ready to take take the spot, whoever, either side. Look, man, that is that is actually a, a real possibility yeah, with any fight, but especially with, like, the bad luck that just happens to follow Khabib in any big event that he's in. 
So I kind of hope that the UFC does send Tony Ferguson over there uh, as a as a backup, but probably not. They'll probably, I mean, they should, but I, I doubt if they will. But if there's enough time leading up to uh, to the fight where one of these two drops out, that would be amazing if they slotted Tony Ferguson in. If not, he'll just have to wait. And I'm sure he wants to get back in the cage as soon as possible. So having to wait is a real bummer because we have no idea what's going to happen in September. Um as far as health for these two fighters, how are they going to come out of it? And then that could prolong his return even further. So it's kind of a tough spot for Ferguson, man. Like, first of all, I don't want to see a Cerrone rematch. That was, that, that doesn't excite me. The fight was what it was. Ferguson had the clear advantage and that's it. Justin Gaethje is there, but at this point, probably he should just fight Donald Cerrone. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel bad for Ferguson, man, because he's going to be waiting a long time again to get his shot. And that's also assuming Conor McGregor doesn't insert himself and take that spot from him, which I really I really hope that doesn't happen. Who's the bigger name right now? I, it is still Conor McGregor, but I think Tony Ferguson really has put himself back in the, in the spotlight in a good way. Um, but, yeah, man. Let's see what happens. That's kind of, that's the most interesting division and it's the most complicated division as well. Yeah, to me, uh, Connor doesn't get, uh, Connor doesn't come back unless Dustin's champion and he can get the storyline of giving Dustin a rematch. Dustin takes it because it's Connor. Uh, I feel that Dustin is a more complete fighter than Connor. At 145, he just ran into a guy with a lot of power who's very slick. Um, in the first round, but I think that Dustin Connor too at 155 is a different fight. Dustin knows that. Dustin deserves to get paid if you beat Habib. Why not take the fight? Um, sorry, Tony, in that scenario, but that is the only. I'll I'll be honest. That's the only way I see a Connor comeback. Um, if it's Habib, that fight isn't happening. Very bluntly, so I think that's the only way Connor comes back and. I think that's the only way Tony doesn't get the next title fight is that um, that storyline plays out and Dustin makes his decision. But yeah, it's just, um, I, I just, like I said, you, you don't want to run the risk. We just saw that in boxing. We've seen it before. I want the hype to be there. This is still one of the biggest fights that could happen is um, Tony against either of the guys fighting in September. Um, I think that's the only super fight that we're really even looking at right now in 2019. When you look at John Jones, he's probably not going to fight DC a third time, you know. And then uh, even with Max or Henry or someone like that moving the division, I, it's just hard to see that happening right now. So Tony versus the September winner, really for the skills, is the biggest fight to be made outside of Whitaker and Adesanya happening, in my opinion. So. That's where I think we're going to be, and I'm just – look, I'm waiting for it. I think it's time. Both the – you know, Tony, stay healthy. That's all I have to say about that. Moving on, and this one will kind of coincide with our, for our only news story of the day. Tatiana Suarez taking on Nina Ansaroff. Uh, Natalie, Tatiana for 10 minutes does everything as scripted. The third round, Nina Ansaroff decided that she wanted to write a <laughs> Did you get the fight? Dude, that was um that was incredible actually, that third round, because um Nina Ansaroff really put it on her. And uh when you see Tatiana's face after, like in the interviews, she got beat up. 
And so I didn't even know Ansaroff had that in her. Very exciting. But but I wonder, you know, we find out later that she suffered, that Tatiana suffered a neck injury in the first round and that she couldn't feel her arm. So she couldn't like really throw punches. So, you know, how much of that third round was her just being incapacitated or how much of it was Ansaroff really finding a vulnerability and being able to exploit it? Uh, interesting fight. But yeah, as you say, scripted, right? Rounds one and two, Tatiana did exactly what we expected her to do. Once she gets on top of you, like, there's nothing anybody can do, and it's crazy. So, you know, unfortunately, because she is injured, um, she's going to be out of contention now for whoever Andrade was going to, um, well, I shouldn't say whoever, because I guess that's already been decided. But um, had this fight not been booked, um, I don't know, right? Because... I guess I'm. I guess I'm kind of like leading into the MMA news segment. But Andrade is going to be fighting Weili Zhang right in China, August 31st. So, would that fight still have been made had Tatiana not come out of UFC 238 injured? Probably because it's in China. But I don't know. What do you think? I think a healthy Tatiana would have gotten in hands yeah. down. I as much as Weili, great for her, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I just don't, I feel like literally all the dominoes went into place. For crying out loud, they're still hyping up Tatiana. UFC just released like a getting to know Tatiana on their social media yesterday. And it's like, you know, that would have made a lot more. I wouldn't have been surprised if had she said she was healthy, that Dana White goes out there and says, yeah, we're going to do Tatiana versus Jessica and we want to bring a title fight to China. I really feel like that would have happened. And, you know, you want to make it look like everything's going as planned, but obviously the injury is what it is. Uh, I want to talk about the fight before we talk about all that, though. Um, I guess for me, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the injury. Um, Tatiana, I feel like just, I feel like we've seen her striking just be better than it was in the third round. Very bluntly. I feel like, the Carlos Sparza fight, you know, look, she doesn't use it a lot. She gets the takedown fairly easily, fairly quickly in her fights and keeps it there. That being said, I feel like we've seen better striking from Tatiana. So, I, but look, when you look at these fights, when you're in number one contender fights, you're not just about beating the opponent. You want to put on a performance that says you are a threat and could beat the champion. I'm going to toss that to you, Natalie. You watched Tatiana fight. Did you see that and say, yeah, she could beat Jessica Andrade? I did. Uh, she's just so much. She's, she looks so much bigger. I don't know actually what their height difference is, but she just seems like the biggest uh, fighter in the division. And yeah, she, I think she, despite Andrade having that you know, very muscular, hulking build and being able to take her opponents down at will, I think you know, Tatiana is, is the, uh, when, you come, when you look at both of them, Tatiana becomes the Hulk in that in that story. She's the stronger, bigger, more muscular fighter. So I think Tatiana could have done what she's done to all of her opponents, to Jessica Andrade, take her down at will, hold her down. Um, yeah, I really, I mean, that's it. That's just it. I think Andrade and Tatiana Suarez will will, will meet her match and uh, be bested by her. So hopefully, we get to see that fight one day. On the ground, I agree with you. I think that uh, Tatiana hangs with Andrade. On the feet, going off of Saturday, that is tougher. 
And to be honest, that is still the X factor going in. Everyone expects these two bulldozing grapplers to go at it. We saw exactly what Jessica Andrade could do against Carolina and other fighters. She is very powerful. She packs a lot of punch. I do want to see that growth in uh, Tatiana's striking. Now, she's going to have some time off to recover and certainly get better and work on her skills. I do think she's still the biggest threat. I do still think she's the number one contender. I will say the Andrade fight is a lot closer Sunday morning than it was Saturday morning when you were looking at booking Jessica versus Tatiana. Um, let's talk about the Weili Zhang news now. Um, she gets the fight August 31st in China. She fights Jessica Andrade. Let's be honest. No one saw this coming. Nobody. We talked about it. We talked about four four contenders who all have an argument. None of them are getting it. This is really unexpected. Did she get the fight because it's in China? That I think it's safe to say yes. But the biggest question for me, booking Whaley over Michelle Watterson. And I know that technically she's ranked ahead and all this other stuff by the numbers. Watterson, at the end of the day, is a easier sell and just as credible, if you ask me. So what were your thoughts on that part of it in terms of the booking? I was sh- shocked. Like, I, I almost didn't even process, like, I almost just, like, glanced over the announcement because my, my brain was like, no, that's not right. Um, I, I can't believe it. Yeah, you're, we talked about everybody else but, but her. And, and I really thought if it wasn't going to be Suarez, it was going to be Watterson. Watterson is such a big name here in the United States. I don't know, but probably Europe. She would probably do well too. Western world. Everybody, Everybody loves, loves karate, karate, karate man. I mean, she's so charming. She's so cute. She has this great story. She's improved so much. I think she could actually be a, a you know, provide a proper challenge for Andrade. Um, I don't think she would be stronger than her, but she'll have a better game plan than probably a lot of other fighters because that Jackson Wink, man, Greg Jackson, and they're such great strategists. But this fight just blew my mind. However, when I realized, you know, okay, they're going to China, it's like, all right, don't, doesn't the UFC have like a new facility they're building in Shanghai or something, really trying to break into the Asian market. So in that regard, it's a no-brainer for them. But geez, man, like it just, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then I looked at the rankings that you just mentioned, and it's like, oh, shoot, she is ranked above Watterson just one place. But okay, I mean, I guess, I guess you you know, it's hard to argue against that, but it was a big surprise, man. Big surprise. I just don't, uh, I feel like, look, Zhang, uh, I know I'm going to mess it up a lot. <laughs> and I got a lot of respect for his skills. Wei Li, uh, fantastic fighter, very fun to watch. Um, she, she's very unorthodox and different in the best way possible. So, you know, I want to make sure I'm making that clear. Uh, I've heard this said, and I think fans agree. You, when you go to these things, you're not necessarily concerned with your local person fighting in your yeah. town. Like, uh, you know, very bluntly, everybody wants Conor McGregor to fight in their city. If you are, um, what are the smaller towns? Ithaca or other places where they've fought. That is, um, you know, you want Conor McGregor, even though your venue is small and it's never going to happen over MSG or Vegas. I get it. So 
when they book Zhang against uh, Andras just because it's China, it's like, is that the fight you guys want also? And look, if it is, then mind you, look, I know that national pride. It works differently in the U.S. compared to abroad. Abroad, they will cheer you on even if they know that you are the underdog in every way possible. So um, in that way, it's kind of like, look, I mean, uh, if you're trying to make the most marketable fight, I just felt like Watterson checked all the boxes. She, you know, not from China. I want to say that her family, if I butcher it, I'm <laughs> sorry. I want to say they're from Thailand yeah. or another her place mom, like that. Thai, yeah. Yes. Um, it's like uh, background there. Uh, that that just to me, I'm I'm still scratching my head. Like that, it's right there, guys. And we've said it a lot. The karate hottie is almost seemingly built up. That they just keep trying to throw her in these fights. That it looks like it makes sense to give her a title fight. Then now when you have it and you don't book it, I was just perplexed. And it was like. The UFC almost reneging on their own, you know, just uh-huh. ideology when they're making these types. I mean, yeah, they're they're you know? basically like casting aside their own product that they helped build up. They were sending her out doing all this promotion, um, and then when they had the opportunity to give her this moment to 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 boost her up even further to say, "Look, this is our product. You know, we we built this fighter." They pick somebody else that no one really knows, and so it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre from a, I guess, from a U.S. perspective, but they've obviously got a bigger picture in mind, and they're looking at the whole world when they make these matchups. And uh, I guess at this point, all we can hope for is that it's an exciting fight. And who knows, man? Maybe, maybe Zhang's got what it takes. I, I, I've seen. I, I, sh- I should have watched more of her fights before we jumped on. So. I've seen a few, but um, now I feel like I have to really go in there and study her to see uh, what kind of challenge she's going to pose. She's very fun. She does. Um, she's got a great karate uh, style. She's uh, comfortable doing spins. She's, uh, you know, she's willing to go to the ground. Um, I can't remember. I want to say she trains with one of the teams in the U.S. Um, don't quote me on that, though. <laughs> Even she doesn't else. want to go to China. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh no, but um look she's she's a very solid contender and a lot of people said you know she was one of the most um she flew under the radar as one of the best pickups for the ufc uh last yeah. year and i think that that says a lot and um look have all of her fights flown under the radar absolutely but this is her breakout party um, I do favor Andrade. It's, I favor Andrade against most everybody, unless your name is Rosa or Joanna, if we're being honest. But, you know, look, Weili Zhang, uh, very tough fighter. She's definitely going to have the crowd at home. You got to give those intangibles to her. Uh, the one question before we move on to Bellator stuff. This, they already have an August pay-per-view in Anaheim. Now you're looking at, you know, are you going to put Andrade on a fight night? Which isn't unheard of, but in the ESPN pay-per-view era, where everyone wants to have a title fight on their pay-per-view to sell it, that is a little perplexing to me, especially for someone coming off such a big win such as Jessica. What are your thoughts on that move in particular? I actually think it would be fine. I know it's not typical, uh, the UFC as of late anyway, to, not, to have a title fight not be a pay-per-view on a pay-per-view card. But I think in this case, it would be fine because with the time difference and everything, 
they're not going to want to have a paper. I mean, I think if they're trying to make an impression in China, and again, I don't know the time difference here. So um, I don't know if it's like in Australia where it's like noon for them when it's nighttime for us here the day before. Uh, okay. It is. So, so if, if that's, you know, something that fits well with the, the market over there to, to watch a big fight in, in the middle of the day, then okay. Um, but I, I think that, uh, I think that they, they will be okay with putting on a fight night. I think it really matters for this one where it airs in China. Uh, or in the Asian in the Asian market, you know, uh, I think that's going to be more important to the UFC than uh, than putting on a pay per view here for us us dorks in the U.S. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a pay per view. They're not going to do two in August. No way. Yeah, well, uh, it's got to be a fight night. That's uh, th- there's just no way, like you said. Um, uh, very bluntly, when I look at Jessica Andrade and everything she's done, I do think that she is pay per view caliber i think you win the title the way she did that's pay-per-view so that to me it almost uh low-key disrespectful for a girl who's one of my favorites to watch but you know is jessica a max holloway or one of those guys yet no that is true so i think that it that is a return investment they are hoping they make on the um the Chinese market in particular to have that fight night headlined by her. I think that's just, that's just what they plan to do. And uh, look, I mean, Jessica, she took the fight. She's on board. I guess that's where we're at. So moving on, that fight will happen later in the year. Bellator has a ridiculous, ridiculous. card, a very stacked event. Let's get it started with the welterweight Grand Prix. Rory McDonald, just a little over a month, month and a half. Since we saw him fight uh, John Fitch for five rounds, taking on the submission expert, Neiman Gracie. Natalie, what are your thoughts? I'm excited for this fight. You know, there was so much talk and so much made of Roy McDonald's comments after his fight against John Fitch. Understandably so. It's something we're not really used to hearing, especially from an athlete uh, as well known as Rory, who's been in the game for so long. But we, I really appreciated his honesty. And I really love that he's continuing with that. And he's saying, you know, I worked it out in my head. I realized now that I was in transition between the old version of me that came out and fought to, to, to just fight. And now I have all these other responsibilities and I look at things differently. And now I'm on the other side of that and I still want to fight. I'm going to be a more technical fighter. There's not a lot of uh, emotion or rage behind my, my fighting, but it's a, it's still something he wants to do, loves to do. So, I'm excited for that because that means to me, that means that he's going to show up and it could be a, a different Rory. It could not be really once he gets in there and gets hit or gets taken down or whatever. But uh, I'm glad to see that at least in his mind, he's, he's ready to compete again. And uh, he didn't suffer too much damage. I know his face looked a little bit banged up and, and yeah, geez, it is just a little over a month away, uh, you know, ago. And uh, I don't know. Like you said earlier, you never had your nose busted in. Well, I've never been punched in the face, so I have no idea how long it takes to um, to recover for something like that. I don't know if you'd still be tender or anything, but God bless Roy McDonald. He's getting back in there. And uh, this is a very interesting fight. Neiman Gracie is obviously a jiu-jitsu ace, but he has good stand-up. He's talented. He's smart. He's hungry. Uh, but when you look at the, the experience, like the fight experience, I think he only has like 10 fights or maybe at least 10 wins. Um, so, you know, could that play a role in his, in his, uh, performance? Like, you know, not having the experience of being in the big game, 
I don't know, because he's a Gracie, right? Like, there's also that pedigree that has to carry some weight, has some value, and uh, and who he is as a fighter. So uh, I'm very excited for this. Uh, I have to make a pick. Damn, you know what? I'm going to go with Rory. I think he's going to get it done. It may not be like a knockout, bang-out fight, but I think he'll avoid getting submitted. What do you got? Uh, I, I agree with you. I think that it's going to be a Rory. It's hard to pick against him. I think just uh, John Fitch was tough, but Rory, once again, is more complete and uh, even more so. I mean, John Fitch at least carries so much experience. Neiman is doing great, but this really is the deep end of the pool <laughs> for him. Um, to Neiman's advantage, he just watched the fight with Fitch. Um, there's a lot you can build on. There's a lot of adjustments you can make to really fight Rory better, if you ask me. I would say that if you're Neiman, when you try to corral Rory against the fence, you need to just rip shots. John kind of used everything was to set up the takedown for John. I think Neiman shouldn't be afraid to just really rip a few punches to the body, try to go a little bit of body head with him. That is, I think, the biggest adjustment you can make if you're on top you know relentless pressure don't worry about trying to submit him if it's not there just beat him up tenderize him demoralize him that's the key to a neiman gracie upset if you're rory crisp boxing work behind the jab uh kicks to the calf only don't go any higher so he can't catch him things like that i think that that's it i think that the five round experience favors rory I think that um, when you put it all together, he's no slouch on the ground. I think that he's improved and he knows he needs to work to get off of his back um, following the Fitch fight. I think all of that together puts together Rory victory. And um, look, like you said on his comments, I think that mentally he's figuring it out. I believe him when he says he's yeah. figured it out. He's always been a genuine guy. I think that we're going to have a very solid Rory McDonald, and I think that defeats Neiman Gracie at the end of the day. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go unanimous decision. I think Neiman is going to hang tough. He's going to have a learning experience. I think it won't be a complete wash, but I think it is going to be Rory at the end of the day. Yeah, I think unanimous decision uh, makes sense. I'm, uh, I'm there with you for sure. There we go. And then let's move on to our co-main event. Leota Machida moves back up to 205 to take on the American gangster Chael Sonnen. This one, I think that the circumstances of the fight, Chael off the heavyweight Grand Prix. Leoto, let's be honest, he's supposed to be fighting Gegard Musasi, but Musasi, you know, finished, unfinished business with Lovato Jr. because he got hurt in January. So you have a lot of stuff going into this fight, a lot on the line in terms of who fights for the belt next at a big Bellator card. What are your thoughts on the fight? Well, I love me some Leota Machida. You know that. So uh, (laughs) every time I watch his, you know, these hype, these uh, promo videos, I'm like, oh, God, he's so handsome. (laughs) I can't just I can't watch it without commenting on that. Sorry for the cringe. Now I'm the cringe uh, uh, like Henry Cejudo. But uh Calm down, now. Yeah, I need some cold it's, water. It's, it's, it's just a gi and a nice haircut. You know what, though? I mean, he's... Where's his gym? It's, like, somewhere around near... It's, like, sort of close to where I live, the Machida Karate facility, so I might have to go down there. I'll tell you this. Too. He'll start training. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Side note, though, where I go to the gym, uh, I go to the UFC gym in Torrance, 
and he is there. He goes. I've seen him there. Uh, I've seen him there with Weber Almeida. Uh, and he was actually, if you watch the uh, Bellator 222 countdown for specifically for Machida, you see him entering a UFC gym, and that's the one that I go to. So I was like, oh, yeah, I got to spend some more time at the gym. <laughs> Good excuse to. Uh, I'm glad you have your yeah, motivation. Exactly. Anytime. Um, so uh, anyway, side note. Um, I'm excited for this fight. I, I was kind of like, yeah, at, at when it was announced, not because I, I actually love both of these fighters, but I just was nervous. I didn't want to see either of them lose. Uh, so that being said, I think Machida takes it. Chell's, you know, very skilled. He's tough. He's got his wrestling, great personality. So amazing at selling fights. God, God love him. And he's, he's a, a great personality. And I'm not trying to, I don't mean that. I don't say that's like take anything away from his skills. Obviously, he's a, a great fighter, but uh, that's just a part of his personality uh, that I love is the way he the way he works the microphone. Uh, but I think Machida gets it. I think Machida is very smart. He keeps his distance, his great range. He, he has that like snake like, uh, you know, movement where he darts in and out. And I think he can he can keep Chell away. If Chell tries to take him down, Leo is really strong. Chell's also at least the, the rumors have been uh, I guess not really rumors. He's been kind of talking about it too, that the weight cut's been tough because he wasn't heavyweight and uh, got a little bit used to, to eating more. And um, it's been a little bit of a grind for him, but he's a wrestler for a hundred years now. And so the weight cut is something that is just part of his life. Still, I feel like it could play a factor in, in how, uh, how he survives the, uh, the fight. So I'm picking Machida. I don't think he knocks him out or anything. I really don't. Would it be cool to see one of those front kicks? Yeah, I would. Uh, but I think I think it'll just go the distance, and I think Machida wins by by decision. You know, um, that's the thing about Chael at two hundred five. That's the thing about why this fight's happening now. If you had asked, like back in the day when Chael was on a run and Leoto was on a run, I would tell you that Leoto just murders Chael inside yeah. the ring. He's just that much better. At 205, Chael is, uh, just lately, Chael is different in terms of his boxing, in terms of, you know, I don't know what it is. He just just fights differently. He has more faith in his hands. He fights, um, he uses a little more boxing. Not everything is meant to go into that takedown like he used to be. Uh, That really favors him. I think that kind of pressure is exactly what you need. I think that at 205, he feels like he does have the size to really pressure Machida. It's not just him trying to, you know, annoying with it and just try to outpoint him. I think that he does feel like he can be the more physical fighter. I think that that favors him. That said, Lyoto, um, he's just such a well-conditioned guy. He is underrated in terms of his power. I do think that he's going to be able to get in and out the footwork at the timing. He's very underrated as a wrestler. Uh, you've had some good guys try to take him down and fail to do it. So I do think that that is going to favor Machida. I think he's going to be able to get the job done. Um, it's going to come down to uh, the accuracy of Machida and the defense. I think that if you're Chael, anytime Machida tries to engage, you just got to throw more punches. doesn't matter if they land. You just got to throw more, very bluntly. I think that's the only way you outpoint Machida. If you're Machida, everything's got to hit. Everything's got to be precise and do damage. You can't really go at at him out of position you got to get respect early and you got to pick your shots well that's how you get the job done if you're Machida this is another one I see going to decision 
more on the toughness of Chael. I think that he's a guy who's very tough to put away. He's very underrated. Just, you know, only like the best guys have ever really stopped him. So I think that that's really what you're going to need if you're Chael Sonnen is that volume. But I think he's going to avoid the knockout punch. He's just going to get a little overwhelmed. He's just going to struggle, though, to get his offense going enough in the fight. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Chell's uh, boxing because, yeah, it has looked a lot better over, over the last couple of years. Um, and, yeah, it always surprises me. Like, even watching the open workouts, I was like, oh, you know what? He looks good, man. He looks good on the feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's not yeah. just a talker. <laughs> Moving on, we have the Bantamweight title fight. This one, they're putting it early in the night, and I find that so odd. I don't know if it's just to really kick off the pay-per-view or something, or they just... uh, I would hate to say they don't believe in Darian Caldwell. They should, and also Kyoji Horiguchi as well. But um, Darian versus Kyoji, the rematch. Kyoji obviously defeated Caldwell at New Year's Eve in Ryzen when... uh, Darian was trying to become a two promotion, you know, a double promotional champ at Bantamweight over there and Bellator. Now Kyoji gets the rematch. He gets a chance to now take Darian's Bellator title in, you know, at MSG. What are your thoughts on the first? Fight? You know, I'd like to say props to uh, to Scott Coker, Bellator, and to Ryzen. I can't, I can't, I don't know if I'll butcher the gentleman's name, the president there, Saki Karaba, I think, something like that. Sorry, apologies for that. But I love that that the openness and the willingness to say, like, yeah, we're we think we're we're the top leagues in in MMA. Let's prove it. Let's put our best guys against each other and see what happens. It just makes sense. Marketing, uh, you know, from a marketing perspective, from a martial arts perspective, like, how do you test yourself? You go against the best, right? Not just within your own league. So first, amazing that they're doing that. Scott Coker was talking to the media yesterday or the day before. Someone asked him if he'd be interested in doing that with the UFC. Of course, he says, yeah, I would. Heck yeah. Let's do it. Uh, we've sort of talked about it a little bit. Wouldn't it be awesome if the UFC did that? Uh, I doubt they ever will. Um, I think it would have to be like if the UFC, for whatever reason, was on a downward slope and maybe they needed the marketing boost. But, uh, you know, why would they risk their brand and do that? In any case, the only way UFC ever does it is if they put people who are never going to headline a pay-per-view to cross. Yeah, over. yeah, that's true. The, the pay-per-view changes the whole game for UFC. That's why yeah. they'll never do it. They should send over some of their, like, you know, 15, 10 to 15 ranked dudes and say, what you got? Go for it. Um, but it would be amazing if, like, yes, all the absolutely. top promotions just, like, pick the day and they were like, okay, combat the Bellator, uh, one championship, UFC, um, Ryzen, and whoever else I'm missing. And they were just like, let's go. A true, true fight. Would be great. Okay. Now, back to the topic. So Darren Caldwell, Kyoji Horiguchi. Um, what I what I learned that that was interesting to me and and um, is something I hadn't thought about is you know Caldwell was talking about um, or he I guess he had told Alimale McFarlane. I saw her on the MMA beat talking about this. He mentioned how difficult it was actually to be in Japan and to have to get used to all these different things in the city and in the fight itself when he went to face Horiguchi, you know, the just getting around the city, finding food, the hotels don't have bathtubs, uh, fighting in a ring, which is very different than fighting in a cage. Size of, you know, apart from the size being different, you don't have that cage to brace yourself, to shimmy yourself off of or up, up against. A lot of really significant um, 
differences that that uh, that impact your performance. So Kyoji obviously has that experience because he's fought in cages before, as we've seen in the UFC. So uh, I think Darian, apart from having a, a a a bone to pick, right, wanting to get that win back, has to represent for Bellator. Scott Coker told Scott Coker literally said, "You have to win this one." Uh, but of course, if he doesn't, whatever it is, what it is. So I think Caldwell actually will get it done. He's going to have the confidence of being in his home country, back in the environment he's used to, and a chip on his shoulder, wanting to prove that he is, you know, he is worthy of the Bellator belt. And so uh, I, I think that's, I think he's going to get the win. I think he's going to finish him. I don't know how, but I think he is going to finish uh, Kyoji. And uh, I think I'll toss it to you for some more, uh, you know, detailed breakdown of this fight, but that's what I'm feeling. I mean, you addressed a lot of factors. Uh, I think when you watched the first fight, you could tell there was a little bit of um, awkwardness. There were a couple times where Darian had a good position and they got to readjust him against the fence, or sorry, against the ropes, which would never happen against the cage. So there were a few moments there. Uh, Kyoji was not being washed out by any means in their fight, even in the moments that weren't marred by any interruption. I felt like Kyoji was hanging with him very tough. I thought he was getting more comfortable. Um, the thing about Darian, he's such a unique guy for the Bellator 135 division. He's tall, he's long, he's very complete with his striking and his wrestling. Um, that being said, we hardly ever see him get pushed and tested, especially since he's been champion. He's really made it look like a wash, and that's even at 145 when he's moved up, so... You put all that together, yeah, when he's in there against a very underrated, but let's be honest, elite-level guy in Kyoji Horiguchi, his only loss in recent years was to Demetrius at 125. That's a big deal. And I think that um, that's something that you got to respect. I think that Kyoji, you got to remember, he is used to fighting in a cage. He was in UFC. He knows how this works. So that favors him. I think that Darian is going to have a bit of an advantage, you know, a little more in his favor now that it's home turf. That being said, I think the biggest adjustment you got to make is you got to be a little more conservative and more accurate. I think he got tired before. I think that if you're going to look for the takedown, you got to pick your spots a little better. You got to look to counter strike him, use your length a little bit more um, efficiently and I think that that gets the job done for Darian I do think he's still just the better fighter at this weight than Kyoji but that is all you know that doesn't mean this is an easy fight for him Kyoji great striker uh, competent grappler all that together makes him very tough so Darian physicality he's just got to pick his moments to use it correctly that'll get him the victory sounds good man there's a lot going on on the undercard from Dylan Dennis, Aaron Pico, Heather Hardy, uh, Juan Archuleta. Um, just everybody seems to be fighting. Everyone wants to take advantage of the MSG spotlight. What stands out to you the most on the uh, prelims or the undercard yeah, in general? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see Aaron Pico, to see if those seven weeks at Jackson Wink have made um, a difference in his performance. He was talking about um, how he went there. Like, these were his words. Literally, he said, I, want, I went there so I could learn how to fight. And it, it's what he wanted was 
a leader, I think, to be able to put all his skill sets together in an effective and efficient way. Because if you think about what he was doing here in California, he was going from gym to gym and, and like specialty training, you know, with Freddie Roach and um, doing the strength and conditioning at the, uh, the garage or whatever, you know, with that uh, Calavita. He was driving all over town and getting kind of tired of it. So he found one place where he could go and get all his training done. So I'm very curious to see what he, how he looks, you know, everyone, he came in with such high um, expectations on his shoulders and, and he's four and two, you know, that's not a terrible record, but he's just four and two under the brightest spotlight. And that loss against Harry Corrales really got people talking about his future and his mindset. And if he has what it takes to, to grow, I think he does. Absolutely. He's super talented He's clearly hungry. He's also very young. And yeah, it's like he's just learning MMA under the under the brightest of spotlights. And so uh, his his four and two record, if he had been fighting for a smaller promotion, would be like, yeah, that's totally a respectable record. But he gets so much attention because of who he is that it's it's sort of blown out of proportion a little bit. Very excited to see how he looks, but he's got a tough opponent. That guy's like 10 and 0, 12 and 0. It's it's going to be a, a legit challenge, you know. They're not giving him any softballs here. They haven't at all since he since he joined Bellator. Unlike some other, you know, newcomers like you think about Jake Hager, who came in and he's getting matched with folks that are you know same record as his or, uh, you know, one and 0 or 0 and one stuff like that. Hey, don't disrespect TJ Jones. No, I'm like not. That. Absolutely not. I really am not because it's just those that kind of those are matchups that make sense, right? Um, yeah. I love me some Tombstone Jones, though. But those are matchups that make sense. Aaron Pico's getting like, okay, you're a big name and you got big talk. Well, let's let's just throw you into the fire right away. So, And, and I understand, like, if someone tells you that, if someone's like, we're going to give you these tough matchups, you, you can't say no. You can't be like, no, I want a less challenging uh, opponent. You got to just go for it and rise to the occasion. So that's – he's been tested every time. He's been forced to rise to the occasion every time. So can't wait to see what he looks like. Juan Archuleta always looks great. Um, also excited for him. Ricky, I think Ricky Bende has this fighting too. So can't yep. wait for that. Uh, Dylan Dennis. I think Dylan Dennis is on the main card. I think. I'm not sure. Yes. I think he is, he which is. is kind of surprising to me. Like, I don't think the Conor McGregor Association and like his social media presence is enough to put him on the on the main card over Aaron Pico. Honestly, um, I think Aaron Pico is a bigger name. Um, but whatever, it is what it is, right? Uh, yep. Heather Hardy, damn man, you know I, I um, I'm I'm curious to see. It, it seems like she's maybe gone all in on MMA now, and so maybe like the way Joe Schilling improved when he went all all in on MMA. Hopefully she will too, because the last fight I I, I saw of hers was was not a strong performance. It it didn't look like a Bellator quality fight. I can't remember. Was, was that the Anna Hulaton Maybe. Fight? It was her face uh, was just, you know. The, the other boxer and they ended up grappling. Yes, it ends up grappling and it was very uh, underwhelming. And um, I remember I remember when we talked about that fight last year, I had said that it's like, well, maybe they don't want to tip their hand on how they're going to box each other because that was the thing is like they're going to MMA fight, then they're going to box. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. Like, if that's what you were doing, if you're trying to not show your game, then mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. Um, you know, with Heather Hardy, um, she's so popular. I'm still shocked that they kind of relegate her there, but 
Bellator, I think they still feel it's the quality of fight that because she's still developing, even though she's the name, which um, I don't know why you don't do that for Pico then. But look, they make their decisions and we roll with them. To me, I, I think I believe Heather when she says she wants to put on a show like the Christina Williams fight. So I'm looking forward to that. She's at home in New York. I do believe that is genuinely special to her. So I like all of those factors going into that one. Um, the thing about Aaron Pico to me is that when you talk about different training, is like, how different is he honestly going to look? Like, he's got a new coach, but when you're in there with a tough guy in Adam Borick, who's impressed also, are you actually going to implement things differently? Like, when I look at Aaron Pico, great fighter, I think most people would say a little more head movement would, you know, is something we're looking to see yeah. from him. Is he going to be doing that in this fight? You know, has Greg Jackson and the team got him to implement, you know, that particular part? For example, you know, there's a lot of things he could do differently. He's a great, great young talent. But, you know, when you get in there, is he going to look necessarily drastically different from the Pico we're used to? That's going to be the big question going into that one. And off seven weeks, I, I do feel like when you've been with a particular team like he has with the body shop and everybody, there's a mentality, there's a style that do you get all that? Has he only been in uh, New Mexico for seven weeks or has he been there longer and really living there and just not just in training camp, but just in work? That's going to be my question. And I think that that's going to be the real key to it. What Aaron Pico are we going to see? And will it be very different? Um, in terms of the other fights, uh, Archuleta, uh, I like this guy's mentality. He's got the cowboy mentality to just fight often doesn't matter who it doesn't matter that you're you know you're already a title contender at 135 i think he will fight the winner of kyoji and darian after if he wins but he's moving back up to 145 and he's saying things like he wants to do the he wants to fight for the 135 title then compete in the 145 tournament and i'm just like dude like oh and then i i talked to him he says i even want the 155 oh boy later and i'm like and I asked him, it's like, and then he says, you know, in life, you got to have goals, man. And I was like, I believe you when you say that. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, I do believe that if he keeps winning, that is what he wants to set up and ask for. So, look, he's taking that mentality. I am all for it. He is up against a tough former contender in uh, Eduardo Dante, a former champion in Eduardo Dantas. So I think it's going to be good. But those guys stand out to me. Dylan Dennis, um, the personality is bigger than the skills. He is a great grappler. Yeah. But I think that it is the social media presence that is getting him on that big MSG main card over the Picos and the Heather Hardys, who I think, quite frankly, are going to have a bigger ovation when you see them. Yeah, probably. I mean, Dylan Dennis is so, um, oh, geez. No, I can't think of the word. Um, well, he like is divisive. I Polarizing. Guess. Polarizing. Thank you, sir. God. I'm making up for the better look <laughs> at the start of the show. Yep, he's very polarizing. And you either love him or you hate him. Uh, it's hard to be in in between with that guy because he, he pokes the bear, right? And he does it on purpose. He does it with a smirk. So he might get a big reaction, but just not like, you know, a positive uh, reaction like Heather Hardy might get. Uh, it's like he hangs out with Conor McGregor or something, doesn't he? Yeah, I know. Although, who knows these days? I mean, you know, I, I, not that if, if 
I shouldn't say that if you don't see a picture of them together, it doesn't mean they're hanging out, but they both love posting so much that I would think if they were actually in the same room together, we would have seen, seen it already. So <laughs> good point. But yeah, look, it's going to be a good night of fights in what is it? They start in like four or five hours. Don't yeah. I? Like basically now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we will have plenty to talk about soon. Next week, we will be back. There is UFC Fight Night Greenville from South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Hinato Moikano taking on the Korean zombie. I love anytime they announce this guy to fight. It always means that you're going to have to get your popcorn ready for some good television with the zombie. So I'm excited. Natalie, what are you looking forward to? And where can fans find you on social media? Yeah, I want to see Korean Zombie. I think he he's probably got an axe to grind, you know, after that Rodriguez fight where he was he was winning and then that, you know, really sort of devastating uh, knockout of the year contender there. So wanna see how, how he comes back. And you can find me at I still haven't changed my Twitter handle yet. So you can still find me at Zamudio Rama Five on Twitter, Zamudio Rama on Instagram, and uh, the straightpunch.com for uh, fight schedules and lineups and uh, videos and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the fights. What you got going on, man? Guys, you always know you can find me anytime at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.